0: Hey, buddy. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. And I'm so pleased to have as my guest, Fernando Garcia. How you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. Thank thank you for having me. Yeah. You know, we we got together a few years ago. You were Mm -hmm. on my show. I've been a guest on yours. And now you're here and you're you're running for city council. That's right. District 9, San Diego. This is great. Yes. So looking forward to kind of learning about your your background, your mm-hmm. campaign, you know, sharing some thoughts and comments with the, with the audience. And if you are watching or listening on the live stream, we'll be able to take your questions and comments. Feel free to type them in the live chat on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and then we'll get you involved in the conversation. Um, Fernanda, so City Council, mm-hmm. okay, San Diego. Yep. District nine. Yep. Where where is district nine? So
1: district nine would uh, include neighborhoods such as Normal Heights, uh, Kensington, Talmadge, uh, College area by San Diego State, uh, which would be like Rolando. Um, City Heights is a big part of it. And then once you go south of uh, the 94, you're looking at parts of like Mount Hope, uh, Stockton area. So uh, that's and, and then a little bit of Mission Valley East is about as north as we go.
0: Interesting. It's yeah. you kind of always wonder how they decide, right? <laughs> the lines are kind of squirrely, right? Yes, yes. Um, but it's generally speaking, the eastern part of the city of San Diego, correct? Yes, uh, and maybe a little bit of the southern part.
1: that, that is correct. So we go to uh, up until we hit like La Mesa, mm-hmm. um, and so that's pretty much about as east as we go, and then um, down towards almost National City, right? To so, you know, but um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it.
0: That's great. Yeah. So so. um Tell me, you know, before we, I want to go through like some of the bullet points on your Mm -hmm. campaign, why you're running the things that you believe are problems that we need to solve. But why don't you just maybe refresh my memory, but also share with the audience a little bit about you, your background, where Mm -hmm. you're from and everything that kind of led up to this point.
1: Yeah. So uh, I grew up, uh, I've always lived in Southern California. Uh, I grew up in a suburb of LA. Uh, When I graduated high school, came to San Diego State. That's what brought me here. Um, so graduated there, I'm an alumni, I'm an Aztec. Um, when I graduated, you know, one of the big things that happened to me, uh, in college is, um, I had, I had my son, um, at that time, uh, my girlfriend, um, you know, got my girlfriend pregnant at 19 and, <laughs> you know, became a father at a, at a young age. Wow. So, and, uh, but was able to finish school, had to work a lot and, um, you know, stayed in San Diego for a few years after that, got into financial services, um, uh, you know, after uh, and then moved up to LA, and then um, you know in financial services, and then also in the mortgage industry and real estate as well. Uh, got my real estate broker's license, um, did that for many years, um, and then eventually uh, had another son. So I got two boys. My oldest is twenty-four. My youngest is fifteen. Wow! And um, you know, met my wife uh, while I was living up in LA. She lived in San, you know San Diego. Did the back and forth thing um, finally, once my oldest son went to college, moved down to San Diego. And, uh, so I've been down here for about, you know, seven years, uh, give or take. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then prior to that, uh, prior to moving down, I, I started a solar company called School Solar, um, left the financial services industry, got into, in the solar business and, uh, been doing that ever since. And, um, you know, ran for Congress in, uh, district 53, um, and, uh, in 2020, lost in the primary. Uh, but, uh, you know, gave me a lot of good insight into how campaigns work and uh, decided to run for city council simply because I do feel like we have a lack of leadership here in San Diego and, and in the city council. And um, we need fresh ideas. And I think I can bring that to the table. And, you know, I'm just excited you right know, about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So bring that mic a little closer okay, to you. So. No problem. Yeah. Well, maybe not that close, okay. but all good. Yes, yeah, so you're talking there. Um, the, you know, it, it's interesting is I, when we met originally, mm-hmm. you, when you were going to be a candidate for Congress, the yep. thing that excited me about you is that you're independent. Yes. yes. You're not Republican. You're not Democratic. Yeah. So explain that to me.
1: Yeah. The, you know, I, I love being an independent. You know, I feel like especially in this country right now, um, you know, we're, there's a big divide. You know, and um, a lot of it just has to do with this tribalism. And, you know, when you learn to, you know, for a long time, I was a Democrat. And when I took that jersey off of being a a Democrat, it really opened my eyes to other people's opinions It made me look at things more clearly. Uh, You can have some common sense uh, and not be married to any type of ideology. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and as a candidate, it is tougher, though, to run as an independent Um, because there is no infrastructure for you. So you're you're kind of doing everything on your own. But I think it's the right thing to do. I think we need to show people, uh, not just through our words, because there's a lot of Democrats and Republicans that will always say, hey, I'll put country over party and I'll do this. Well, I'm actually doing it through my actions, not just my words. And so because I don't I'm not looking to. Um, represent a political party or big donors. I want to represent just the people. And uh, I think we need leaders who are willing to step out and have some courage and and do it that way. And so that's why I'm doing it.
0: To me, this is awesome. Yeah. Okay, Thank you. Because, you know, you mentioned tribalism and yeah. that is such a thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you were wearing a red jersey or a blue jersey, the other side is evil and yeah. your side is virtuous. Yep. and And on every issue, people divide and mm-hmm. And I think an independent voice lets you see the good and the bad on both sides, right? Absolutely. You, you know, the, the the challenge, though, um,
1: you know, when you take two warring uh, interests, typically, and, and it could be something like uh, environmentalists and developers, right? And, you know, the challenge, though, is because I believe as an elected official is you should look at all sides, speak to all sides, and and then make a decision based on what's right for the people. One of the challenges though, is that um, these interests what they're looking for are candidates that are either all in on this side or all in on that side, yeah, you know, and so as an independent and as somebody who doesn't think that way, you don't really get support from those very extreme um organizations, you know yeah. which is fine, I don't want it, but <laughs> you know the, there are voters who align themselves with those organizations and those um and those ideas, but and so that makes it more difficult, but I think it's the right thing to do. I think as elected officials, we need to really start representing the people and not these special interests that are out there. Right. So that, that's, you know, that's what I love about being an independent. It's so much freer. Um, and if people just took a, a couple minutes to really just think about some of the issues that, that, that are going on in San Diego, in our country, and not just pick a side, um, I, I think we're going to be much better off. So
0: do do um, when you're out on the street, you mm-hmm. know, talking to people, people probably ask you that, you know, yeah. what are you mm-hmm. Republican, or you're Democrat, because they want to pigeonhole you. That's right.
1: And for some people, that's sometimes the first thing they ask. OK, what are you, uh, are you Democrat, or <laughs> Republican? Uh, but I will tell you, um, lately, a lot of people have been great. You're an independent. We need that. Yes. People are coming around and uh, either they're they're excited about the fact that I'm an independent or they just no longer care. Because they see that this whole blue-red liberal conservative isn't really working for our country. And, um, you know, they they want their elected officials to just get to business. Right on.
0: So, yeah. I, I think this is so great. I mean, because there's more independents in America than there are registered Republican or Democratic voters. Right. And is that true in San Diego, too? Um,
1: you know, what I don't, you know, not in my district per se. Um, but in um i can tell you in san diego it is the second largest group of voters so um it's for example it's it goes democrats independents and then republicans so mm-hmm. um and so it but it's a gr- it's the fastest growing oh, no segment
0: doubt. so um you know shortly they'll they'll be the number one well people i think remember for so long, San Diego was really Republican. Right. It was like the miniature Orange County back in the Reagan days. <laughs> right. um, and uh, yeah, so I think people, I, I, for me, it's refreshing to see a serious candidate mm-hmm. with real ideas that is running as an independent. Right. I think that's, that's just so awesome. Cool. Thank you. So- let me tell me a little bit about your campaign. I mean, what is like the, the, the thing that drove you to run?
1: Yeah. You know, I love the fact that when you run for local office, um, you can actually have an impact on the things that you see right outside your front door. You know, that that's important to me. Um, there are an array of issues that um, that I want to attack. Um, I would probably say one of the first things we need to attack is the homelessness issue, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, because that's something that we all, if you're, if you get in a car and you drive around San Diego, uh, you're going to see the homeless uh, problem. And to be honest with you, a lot of it has to do with, I feel like we have a policy of enablement as opposed to empowerment. And so what we need to do is start, um, you know, sheltering people and say that, hey, look, streets are not an option. That's not an option. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have to bring people into shelter and make shelter a priority. Uh, and then from there, we can, you know, decide, some people call it triage or decide where we need to, these people need the most help, you know? And, and, and we have to understand that these are human beings. You know, we need to attack it with uh, a level of compassion. Um, but there's many forms of compassion, you know, letting people just sleep on the street where if you're living on the street, we know you're going to urinate, you're going to defecate on the street. We as a society cannot accept that. We have to set the standard and saying we don't allow that, but we do offer some help for you. Um, You know, the the homeless, becoming homeless isn't something that happens overnight. Um, It is a a process. And so we ideally want to attack it uh, before they're on the streets. So as much preventative uh, as we can uh, in terms of drug treatment, um, you know, in terms of, you know, one of the things... Ronald Reagan did say, I'm not a Republican, but Ronald Reagan <laughs> did say, you know, one of the best uh, social programs is is a well-paying job. Oh, of course. And so, you know, the the better that we can help um, the economy, specifically small businesses, as a small business owner, you know, my heart always goes out to, to small businesses and people who are out there trying to improve their community, offer employment. Um, so, you know, I always want to make sure that, number one, if we can prevent homelessness, that's the first place we want to start. But once they're in that situation... Um, we need to make sure that we that people understand the streets are not an option. We do have shelter from there in, From there on, um, you know, we can start to look at: Do you need drug treatment? Are you mental health? Is it a mental health issue? Many times, it's a combination of both. Um, the part that's going to take, in my opinion, the longest to solve is the mental health issue, because we don't necessarily have the facilities or the personnel right now. So that's the part where we're going to really have to invest and um, and build. But at the same time. Um, You know, the the shelter part is probably the part that we can maybe do the quickest. I do like the idea. You know, there's an idea out there called Sunbreak Ranch um, Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, you know, to me looks like a really good idea where we kind of, where we're basically bringing it, regionalizing the uh, resources. um, Because one of the things we're doing is we're spending a lot of money on on this homeless issue without getting a lot of results. Mm -hmm. And so funding and um, this is going to be a big issue, especially... I be, you know we're we're going to be coming up on a deficit here, and and I do even uh, perhaps think we might even come into a recession. And if that takes place, um, we need to be smart with the money we spend. So we need to start um, making sure that we're allocating money in an efficient way. And I, I like the sunbreak ranch idea because it does bring together resources to help combat the problem. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, I do just feel with homelessness, we just have a policy of enablement, uh, and we need to stop that. Number two. Um, you know, when it comes to over, what some people call overdevelopment. You know, there was a an SB10 um, issue that people talk about. And I think that with SB10, I think it's the right idea, but the wrong approach.
0: Well, here, can you tee that up? It's explained to everybody sure. what SB10 is. So
1: SB10 is basically where you can go into single family resident neighborhoods. And, you know, depending on the size of your lot, uh, you can, in essence, tear down that single family uh, home and put up to like nine units. And so, um What that does though, it can change the character of the neighborhood uh and 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 change the for example many neighborhoods there's just not enough parking right you know, and that 's the biggest issue so even in um in my neighborhood where I live, if they were to do that, we already have a lot of parking issues if you go to places like north park um normal heights is even getting that way you know i I avoid those places now because i can 't find parking right and so uh, and not just, you know, parking's a main issue, but you also have things like, um, you know, sewer, um, electric, all these things that um, we're, those neighborhoods aren't prepared for. But, um, and, and, you know, and it's just going to be a different, um, you know, neighborhood where people wanted to be able to raise their kids there. They can buy a single family resident. Their kids can play in a, uh, a cul-de-sac without a bunch of cars coming by. Um, you know, these, these neighborhoods were built by the greatest generation And, um, you know, and and I think we need to respect that. And, you know, a lot of what's going on, too, is that the city council isn't really listening to planning groups. You know, for me, I think planning groups is a great way as elected official to get as much information and insight from the residents. And as an elected official, it is our job to do what those residents want, Mm. you know. And that's why I like to run as an independent because I get to represent the people as opposed to some of these candidates who – are really looking to use this as a platform, as, either as a mayor or a state senator, they're really following the party's platform right. as opposed to their community's platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, so that's a that's a big issue. Um, one of the things, you know, being in the solar industry, I'm a big believer in renewables and clean energy. Um, one of the things I do want to start the process on is getting rid of sdg and mm. um, in the city of San Diego and starting our own public utility company. Um, you know, San Diego Gas and Electric is uh, we pay the highest utility costs in the country. That's <laughs> um, right? and, <laughs> and you know, for some people, you know, some people three four hundred dollars they can afford it, but a lot of people can't. Oh, you know? yeah. Um. And when you look at cities like L. A., which has L. A. D. W. P they're spending like 22 to 23 cents a kilowatt and we're spending like 40 cents to 42 cents a kilowatt. So, so if, uh, and a big reason for that is, you know, obviously SDG and E, they're making, uh, you know, their CEO makes $12 million a year. They're making about a million dollars in profit a day. Um, and we're not necessarily paying for the, um, the, the creation of the energy, uh, but rather the delivery of it. And that's because the power lines, Um, that that we're paying for coming all the way from the desert and we can actually localize it specifically with solar um, and and battery storage and so I want to utilize that and really be more like LADWP uh, SMUD which is Sacramento Municipal District in Sacramento uh, IED in the uh, the valley in the Prairie Valley they pay like 15 cents uh, for their um, per kilowatt so uh, other cities have done it we can do it too so uh, I want to reduce those costs I would also like to bring uh, self-driving cars to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think transportation is key. Uh, I think if people want to live without a car, uh, they should have that as an option. Uh, I want to, you know, improve upon our current, um, you know, public uh, transportation. But at the same time, how do we get people to buses and trolleys when it's a mile away? You know, I think we have companies like Qualcomm. We have a lot of technology companies here in San Diego. Let's utilize that. Let's leverage it. And let's start allowing people to, at the very least, use a a self-driving car to pick them up and take them to a trolley, take them to a bus station, see how that works, and see if we can get more people to utilize public transportation.
0: Wow. First of all, you just shared a lot right there. We (laughs) talked about homeless, housing, public transportation, self-driving cars, and- um, what else are we talking uh, about? SDGE. SDGNI too. Yeah, yep. Okay, I mean, and the crazy part of this is each of those are distinct buckets, mm-hmm, yep. and I want to do a deep dive on a few sure, of them. Sure, but they all kind of are intertwined too. I Perhaps. mean, I mean, homelessness and housing and mm-hmm. mass transit. Or, mm-hmm. There's all these linkages. And can I throw one in real quick yeah, I forgot to? Yeah.
1: Um, it, also, another big part of, of my campaign is is actual uh, election reform. Oh, so cool. I know we've talked about this, but uh, one of the things I want to bring to San Diego is uh, rank choice voting. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and so for those of you uh, who don't know, this is basically where you rank who you want to vote for. Um, and, you know, there's some major benefits to that. Um, so, for example, um, what it does is it forces candidates to not just talk to people of their party. Mm-hmm. It forces candidates to talk to everybody. And I can go a little bit more depth later. but it, And it allows people to vote for who they really want and not have a fear of a spoiler effect. You know, if we had ranked choice voting on the presidential side, for example, we wouldn't be voting for Trump or Biden. We would have a much better candidate, you know, and so these electoral reforms are very important. I would like to bring the Democracy Dollars program here to San Diego where, uh, you know, people could get a a $20 voucher, whatever we, we decided to be. And so, Uh, people will actually have some of their taxpayer dollars that they can give to a local candidate so that local candidates can then go to the people for their financial support, as opposed to go to a political party or big donors. Um, What people don't understand is, so for example, I'll give you an example. In my district, you have places like City Heights, and then you have places like Kensington, where I live. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of the candidates... They, they will go to more affluent areas because that they know that's where they get the donations many times. Mm-hmm. And they leave out some of the less um, less fortunate uh, or less affluent neighborhoods. Whereas when you bring a democracy dollars program into play, candidates then, they, they don't have to just go to select neighborhoods or select donors. They can actually just go directly to the people, mm-hmm. and, and it forces them to talk to everybody. And so all of these things are designed to pretty much all of my policies – are centered around bringing more democracy to San Diego, bringing more options, lowering your cost of living, um, and really just representing you and, and not anybody else.
0: Wow, I mean, it's just like refreshing. <laughs> oh, you, you know, you don't hear that from yeah. a, a GOP candidate or from a Democratic yeah. candidate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge supporter of ranked choice. The mm-hmm. democracy dollars is ones I'm learning a little more about. Yeah. But when you're out talking to your constituents and you're probably knocking on doors and mm-hmm. everything, of all of those issues, what's the one that's their hot button? You know, um, you know, it, it's different for
1: everybody, but I would probably say homelessness. Um, and because homelessness encompasses a lot of different things, you know, if you're the uh, business owner, for example, who you know what has a, a somebody sleeping in front. If you own in a restaurant or a, a dry cleaners or any kind of business, and you have a homeless person, you have somebody who's sleeping consistently on your front doorstep, you know, and, and once they're gone, somebody else just comes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're losing money because of that. And these are people who took a major risk um to start a business. You know, it's it's not easy to 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 start a business. You invest a lot of money up front, you're gonna make very little money, you're gonna put in a lot of time. And the government, you know, in my opinion, the government should uh encourage that, but also uh be there to help them, you know, and and so Homelessness affects a lot of businesses, specifically small businesses. Um, Also, you know, when you live in an area where you don't feel comfortable having your kids walk to school, having your kids walk to the the park, because there's somebody, there's people out there who have probably drug problems, have some mental health issues. Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean they're evil people, but they have the potential under the influence or – during an episode to do, uh, to commit violence or yeah, commit crime. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a safety issue. It's, uh, you know, it, and like I've always said, if they're living on the street, you're urinating on the street, you're defecating on the street, you're doing other things on the street and it, it's, um, it, it's a sanitation issue. Um, so there's all these different parts that where homelessness affects a lot of different, uh, areas of our life. So to me, that that's a big part that that we need to, to, to go after and people are really talking about. Um, and it could, but there's also each little neighborhood when you go to these, um, planning group meetings, different associations, you really learn that in some, every neighborhood has its own little, you know, concerns, you know, some mm-hmm. might be, uh, there's, um, too much, uh, You know, people are leaving their cars there longer than they should, you know, um, you know where, <laughs> yeah. you know, they want somebody to come and and, and, and tow that car away. You know, that mm-hmm. could be a major issue in certain neighborhoods where in other issues that's not. Um, but I will tell you specifically in my district, in District 9, the one thing they're, they're very much um, mad about is the fact that the current administration is not listening to them they're not talking to them It's a
0: common theme in politics right right so yeah. they're
1: not uh, they're they're not engaging they're not helping out um, There when their staff does come um, one of the common things that they always say is well, we can't do anything that's the mayor's office oh. and and i here and and, and here's what I'm going to say to my staff we're never going to take that approach, and the reason we're not going to take that approach is because my staff And because I'm a small business owner, I understand that we need to take accountability. You know, if I send out a vendor to do some work for me and they do, and maybe it's not done the right way or there's an issue, I have to take the responsibility and say to the customer, you know what, we're going to get this done and I'm going to handle it. So my staff is going to say, whatever your issue is, it is our job to make sure it it gets done. If not, then you need to vote us out. Because if we're not able to influence the mayor, specifically in, in San Diego where we have a strong mayor system and the mayor does have a lot of power, then why even have a city council? Right. We might as well just get rid of city council, save the money. And, and just let the mayor do whatever he wants. There's no, if, if a city council member cannot influence the mayor to do what's right and what the people want in their district, we should just get rid of them.
0: Well, the people expect their local representative to, you know, be their advocate that they can go to them, they can, you know, vent Mm -hmm. they can maybe try to find some remedy. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, you know, in local government, you know, there, there can be a lot of, of good vibes from that. Right. And then, but you can't promise it. You got to go back. You got to go fight the fight You <laughs> right. know, on the city council. Right. But, you know, th- this is very interesting, all of that you're sharing. Um, but I just want to just quickly say, if you're yeah. watching on the live stream and you have a question or a comment for Fernando, or if you're in district nine in San Diego, just go ahead and type it in in Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. We'll get it on the screen. We'll, we'll f- get that question over to Fernando. Absolutely. So, um, Let's just go a little deeper on homelessness because mm-hmm. it's it's a very complex it problem. Is, is. To me, I see it as there's sort of three layers to it. The layer one is how do they become homeless? Mm-hmm. Layer two is what do you do with the homeless right now? Mm-hmm. And then level, level layer three is, is what's the long-term solution? Yeah. So walk me through each of those three. I mean, the first one is... What, in your opinion causes homelessness?
1: yeah, so you know I do like to kind of break it down into some into some groups, and I'll, I'll explain why you know one of the fastest growing segments of, of home, people going homeless are uh, seniors It's a senior population, and you know that's a, that's a fact of their their fixed income cannot keep up with you know rising costs yeah, so you know for those for, so for somebody like that, shelter that's not the appropriate. Uh, response and, and they just can't go out and get a, another job or second job. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, so whereas, yeah. whereas somebody like myself can't. I can go get a, another job and, and, and try to make ends meet. They can't. Th- that kind of approach may be where um, you know, they're going to need maybe some rental assistance. Um, that, that's, that's where those kind of programs, in my opinion, make sense. The, se- the uh, Another segment um, that I'm very well aware of is uh, our foster care, our foster c- uh, kids who phase out of the foster care system. Ah. They're about 25 percent of uh, if you go, they're about 25 percent of the homeless population. Really? Right. Oh, I so, never thought about this. Yeah. And so um, and the reason I, I'm very versed is my wife's a county social worker. Ah. So and. And part of the problem is, you know, you do have uh, what's called non-minor dependents, where they do get some financial help when they turn eighteen, um, up until I want to say twenty-one, and then. But the problem is, they're not learning any type of life skills. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they, there's not a lot of learning how to get a job, write a resume, get a bank account. Um, and, and and there's not a lot of accountability for them to do that. So that's something that I think we need to work with on with the foster care youth is say, hey, look, rather than have, you know, potentially the, this group of people go into homelessness, we need to make sure they're equipped with the life skills, not just money. You know, a lot of people think that just throwing money at them or money. It's not, (laughs) that's not the solution. That's not the solution. It's holding them accountable, making sure that they're doing the things to learn the life skills of how to, at the very least, even get a minimum job or minimum wage job and knowing how to, even if they have to rent a room or get a, or, or get roommates, you know, that whole process of how to get an apartment and get a bank account and, you know, get a savings account to save some money that just simple life skills, how to cook for yourself. Uh, so you're not wasting money. Um, You know, so that that's a big part of the segment of the population. Um, And then in terms so those are two major uh, groups of people that are in the home that are homeless right now that I think we can attack uh, and prevent. And then in regards to, um, you know, and then anybody else, I think that we need to make sure that we have uh, drug treatment because there's a lot of people who are on drugs, whether it's drugs or alcohol, who want to. Uh, who want to go into treatment, but they either don't have the money or it's just not available. Mm-hmm. And we need to make it so that if anybody wants to go to drug treatment today, that they have a spot to go to. They shouldn't have to wait. We need to make sure that if, if you're somebody that makes the commitment to say, hey, I have a problem, um, I need help, that there's help there right there and then. Um, so that, that, I think that's a major thing we need to do if they're willing to, to take that step. Now, for those who are homeless right now, Um, You know, we need to, we first need to set the standard and some people aren't going to like this, but you know, somebody has to step in and say, Hey, look, we cannot have people living on the street. We need to create some type of temporary shelter. Um, You know, there's always this housing first kind of model or what people talk about. One of the issues with housing first, there's a couple issues. Number one is that it it's a great idea in places where it's inexpensive to build and it's easy to build. So maybe places like Texas, that might sound good, Mm -hmm. but San Diego, it's not inexpensive and it's (laughs) not easy to build. So housing first is not a good option here. Um, Also for the fact that, you know, just giving somebody a home, whether it's an apartment or anything is not going to solve the problem many times. and, And you'll the reason I know this too is because I have my wife, who works as a county social worker, and all her friends will say the same thing: mm-hmm. that many of these people are just going to vandalize a home. You know, if they're still on drugs, they still got mental health problems. Um, you know, it's it, it can be a den of uh, criminality in some in some in, in some instances. So, you know, just housing them first is not the not the question, but we do need and it, we can get this up quickly is have some temporary shelter to where um, hey. We have to make a lot of where you do not get to sleep on the street. You got to take shelter. Um, once you're in shelter, then we can um, work on figuring out what you need. But uh, and that's why I do like the Sunbreak Ranch idea because it centralizes everything. One of the problems too that people don't like to go to shelters because of the fear of safety, mm-hmm. which is a legitimate uh, concern. Um, Sunbreak Ranch talks about having actually a police uh, station on it. Yeah, you know where, uh, so there are police there. There are secure. There is security there, uh, so they can feel safe. Well, t- tell me, what is Sunbreak Ranch? So, so the easy way to, if you ever look it up, it's the idea that Bill Walton has with, um, you know, a couple other people as well, and and you know the main premise is to find. Um, and unused land, so there's been a <laughs> tough, right? Which is <laughs> well, there are some places, you yeah. know. There's places over down in Otai, close to the border. Uh, there's places over by Miramar um, that is uh, many times owned by the federal government. It's just sitting there; it's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if we could utilize that land, uh, build temporary shelters uh, uh, there, um, and then um, and then mo- and then move them from there. And what it does is it centralizes all the resources. That that to me is the more important thing. It's very costly. Imagine if San Diego, let's just say we took San Diego State. Imagine if we broke it up and, and just put San Diego State's little colleges or little classrooms everywhere. Well, that's not going to be very cost effective. That would, mm-hmm. that would actually increase cost. By centralizing things, you know, we're, we're going to consolidate costs. And like I said, I, I think with things that are going on with the budget, we need to start making smart decisions with the money that we have. Mm-hmm. So, and I, and I think that's a more efficient way to
0: handle it. Well, this is, first of all, this is interesting Mm because when you were here last time, we talked about Bill Mm -hmm. Walton's idea. And I remember when you shared it with me, I was like, "Ah, I don't know about that, (laughs) but I've changed, you know, because, you know, here in my hometown of Poway, they passed an ordinance that bans homeless on sidewalks and public right-of-way, public Mm -hmm. parks, and they're they're ejecting them, they're removing Mm -hmm. them. But you have to say, well, where are they going to go? You know, it's like a -a whack-a-mole thing, Right. right? So the idea of having like a place- where they can go, Mm -hmm. it's reasonably safe for them, safer, certainly, than being on the street. Absolutely. And then having officials there that can either guide them or law enforcement, that, that, to me, on a temporary, short-term basis, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, it might not be just one spot. You know, you may have something central San Diego, you know, South San Diego, or, you know, in terms of county, North County. So, you know, there would be, in my opinion, I, I envision multiple, you know, a couple of different spots, yeah. but at the end of the day, um, you know, it'd be just where we can consolidate things. And, and I think, you know, you're always going to have these other separate charities that are going to house people. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's a probably good area for uh, a family experiencing yeah, homelessness, yeah, right? Of course the, not, yeah. right? So we'd have something separate for that, but these are for, you know, um, you, you know, people who are experiencing homeless that are single adults. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I, I think that, uh, That would be the perfect place to
0: go. Didn't the city of San Diego set up a place in Balboa Park for that? They did. It's, it's a, it's a temporary, uh,
1: like tent. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, they're, they are getting some people that are going, which is good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's better than nothing, Mm -hmm. but we need to start, um, thinking bigger than that. I mean, this is a serious problem and just having, you know, two or 300 tents, um, isn't going to solve the problem. You no, know, we, need, we need to think bigger. And so that's why we need um, these big regional type ideas. And, and, and um, you know, I think we need to start the process
0: to that. So what's your take on this? We've been seeing this recently where the city or the county, they're buying these old motels and then converting them for homelessness. What's, <laughs> yeah. the, what's your take there?
1: Well, uh, you know, the problem with a lot of that is, you know, once again, it's the housing kind of first approach where a lot of these people, before they get into that situation, um, it could be a good, they need to make sure that those people are not on drugs or, you know, that they don't have any type of mental health issues that either they're at a process where they're going to be phasing out of homelessness. Um, uh, but if they're deep into homelessness and you just move them to a hotel, that's where you're going to have a tons of problems. That's, yeah. that's why you are, if you don't address the other issues first and then just throw them into a motel, you're going to have crime, you know, you're going to have drugs. It's just, it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Uh, it's not a bad idea if we've addressed some of those issues and these people just need help maybe for three or four months before they can get on their own. But they've gone through the drug treatment. They're, they're handling their mental health issues. Then that wouldn't be so much of a bad problem. But uh, the way they're doing it now, it just doesn't make sense. And it's not working.
0: Yeah, it's it's not. No, you, yeah. I agree with you. And it just yeah. seems like an extraordinary amount of money right. when you break it down to the cost per unit, exactly. for, per housing unit. Yeah. Uh, this, it's just so fascinating because there's so many angles to this. Mm. I going to go back to the topic you mentioned earlier about teaching the foster kids mm-hmm. how to get a job, write a resume, open a bank account. Do you see that as like a, a county level social worker or is that something that the city of San Diego can do?
1: Yeah, well, to be honest with you, it's gonna be primarily at the county level. But I think we as, the, the, the problem of homelessness has got to be attacked from all governments, local, county, state, federal, all working together in conjunction. And so anything we on the city side can help with foster youth, then we need to be open to that. Um, but uh, but that primarily would be a county issue. Now, if we can provide classes, if we can open up our our schools or uh, provide those services um, within the schools within San Diego uh, City, you know, I'd be open for that.
0: You know? Well, I think you know non homeless students would benefit <laughs> from that as well. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So we they, are building it into the curriculum. I mean, people yeah. have always talked about that. Why don't they teach personal finance yeah. in high school and yeah. how to balance a checkbook? And yeah. So, I mean, God, we're already a half an hour in, there's a million other <laughs> things to talk about, but it, it, I, just the final comment for me on homelessness, it just, it's interesting that a lot of people will say, ah, they're all on drugs. Ah, mm-hmm. they're all, they're boozing. It's mental health. Yeah. Reagan took away the mental health facilities. And then like, they just sort of wave their hand and nothing mm-hmm. really happens. And, and then the problem just keeps getting worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see a way that we can turn this around, like, long-term? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, I, I don't think homelessness will ever 100%
1: go away. Oh, I, of course I, I, I think I think we remember a day where, yes, you could uh, – downtown San Diego, even, like, downtown LA, you had a skid row, which was literally, at that time, maybe a couple blocks, right? Yeah. And nobody ever – and everybody said, you know, that that's always kind of probably going to be there. But now it's almost its own little city, you know, and we're seeing – Where where people feel like that's an option. And that's the part I think we need to take away saying, hey, we no longer accept this. It's gotten so bad that um, and nobody wants to be looked at as the mean guy, as the villain. Yeah, I I think that's I think from especially a political as a Paul, as a elected official, you know, the the person who's going to come down and say, hey, we don't allow this anymore. um, There's going to be a lot of outcry. You know, oh, of course, right? So yeah. that's where we need to have leaders who are coming out and saying, Hey, this is something we need to do, have the political will to push things forward and say, this is about not allowing this is about helping people, not about um, you know, being cruel to them. Being cruel is just allowing them to stay on the street. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. And and so we need to we need to set the bar to saying that this is not acceptable. You cannot just live on the street. There are some people who Feel that um, living on the street is okay, uh, they could probably get a job or get a part time job. Um, There are those people who just don't want to have bills, but we have to understand or tell those people look, if you want to be Pat Boone. you can do that in the <laughs> desert or the mountains, but not in San Diego.
0: So, so, Pat so, Boone or right? Daniel Boone? Oh, no, Daniel Boone. But yeah, 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 Daniel, big difference. Okay, well,
1: yes, Daniel Boone. <laughs> uh, I, I forget the, <laughs> But if that's your whole thing, like you don't want to be part of society and you don't want to pay bills and that's not what you're looking for, that's fine, you, you know. Um, but you can't do it in the in, in the city of San Diego. You, go, you can go out to the desert. You can go out to the mountains, live your life however you want. Um but in the city of San Diego, I believe we need to set the standard of, hey, anybody should be able to walk down the street uh, without the smell of urine, without seeing somebody yeah. defecating. Um, and if somebody is living on the street and they're talking to themselves, I mean, we all see it. I don't I don't need a PhD some, you know, to know <laughs> that this person has some very serious mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Now, I may need a PhD or a doctorate to know what they need to help to, to get treatment and the right treatment. That part I get. But I already know this person has very mental health, very bad mental health issues. They're talking to themselves. They're talking to somebody up in the sky. Those people need to be off the street. Yes. And so, uh, once we see that, we need to make sure that law enforcement has the power to do that. Um, and we have to understand too that some people just aren't going to want to go, and that's why we do have to empower law enforcement to say, "Hey, this person just doesn't want to go. You have the right, the physical right." To, to take them off the street. And, mm-hmm. you know, I understand some people aren't going to like that, but that is how we're going to have to clean it up. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh God, there's like, again, there's so many levels right. to this and yeah, <laughs> people don't want to be the bad guy, right. but there the things that have to be done. But let's mm-hmm. transition to another topic. That's a tangent. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about housing policy because yeah. you were talking about SB 10 mm-hmm. um, and you know, some of the concerns in district nine about this. Um, you know, and there's all kinds of development going on all right. over the place. Right. So walk me through your vision on housing.
1: Yeah. So I like the idea of, you know, building more. I do like the idea of making uh, building easy, you know, I think, uh, or easier, right, yeah, I should right. say. Um, so I, I think that's important. I do think that um, there are like even ADUs, um, I think ADUs are um, uh, can be used to help the housing shortage. The problem is, is we have developers kind of taking advantage of the ADU program. You know, you have they'll have one. Uh, it's where you're seeing in, in single family residents. You know, two, three story. A couple of them going up, and there's no parking in many cases. So mm-hmm. they're having to park on the street, and there's already not enough parking on the streets in those neighborhoods. <laughs> and so, and and you know, it's an eyesore for many people, and so it's, it's not, I'm not against somebody putting an ADU in their back, in the back of their house. I think that can actually be appropriate. I actually, one of the things I want to bring to San Diego is a program that says, Hey, if you put an ADU in the back of your house and you actually rent it out at actual affordable rate, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we want to do is whatever the cost of that ADU. So I'm going to just give you a number. So let's just say the cost to build that ADU was $225,000. This is an example. Rather than add that to your property tax, we're going to exclude it. So we're going to keep your property taxes the same as long as you sign a contract to uh, rent that at actual affordable rates. Okay. So it's going to actually help. So we can actually use ADUs to help with the housing um, crisis here. And as long as it's appropriate in terms, of, um, in, in terms of size. Second, we can even supercharge that. And I'll give you an example. In my neighborhood, you have a lot of people, specifically seniors, who are living in a three-bedroom, four-bedroom house. Maybe it's a couple, and it's just them, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nobody else utilizing the other rooms in that home. And so if they're willing to build an ADU in the back of their house and live in that house in the back and rent the front their, their 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 traditional house they had, then what we're going to do is we're going to exempt that from their property tax. And so they're going to get a much lower property tax bill. So it incentivizes them uh, to build that ADU, that additional housing, but it opens up housing for another family to move mm. in. And so we can start to use property taxes incentives to help with building and not have these tax incentives go to, um, you know, big developers, but just... The residents of San Diego. Um, and, you know, that's not something that should be forced, but it could be encouraged and say, hey, here's an opportunity. Uh, I do think that uh, potentially we can, you know, one of the also big problems, too, is we have a lot of people who utilize Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. And so we have, you know, with Airbnbs, you're only allowed so many um, licensees per person. And there's a lot of um, people who are abusing that. And Mm -hmm. we need to start enforcing that because where you have people having 11, 12 licenses and they're using kind of these straw buyers almost for the licenses. And uh, we need to start enforcing that and um, making – because those take up housing. So I think if we enforce that but also encourage those people by giving them a window saying, hey, if you have an Airbnb and you have been a licensee and we're going to come down hard on you, if you want to avoid that – you open up to long-term housing and, um, and offer that to the residents of San Diego at affordable rates, then maybe you avoid some of the penalty.
0: Yeah, you know, those, the incentive angle is interesting right. to me, particularly the supercharged version yes. where the grandma and grandpa move into the back ADU mm-hmm. and then the four bedroom house is rented out. Um, now, but aren't, property taxes, a county thing rather than a city thing? It is. So those are things that we would have to work. So
1: there's many of these things that we would have to work with uh, the county to make that happen. But I think these are ideas that if if we're, um, will, now we may have to take, uh, you know, obviously if those property taxes are going to be lower, then we may take a small hit in terms of revenue that we bring in as a city. But what we're doing is we're providing more housing. You know, which is going to free up more income for people to spend in our city. Um, It's going to make it easier for families to live. And so if we can work with that – and then also I want to give incentives, property tax incentives to – there's parts of San Diego, uh, specifically like El Cajon, uh, where we have some abandoned buildings where if we say to them, hey, if you're willing to either build – because I'm a big believer there's certain corridors where we should be building up more – where if we can build up on those transit corridors, then let's do that and let's give you some some incentive to do that. And property taxes is a is a great way to offer that. Um, so it is something we do have to work with the county, um, but I think we can make it happen.
0: Yeah, again, I love the innovative ideas because yeah. usually the Republicans and Democrats have their own canned ideas, right. <laughs> and you could think out of the box. You can yeah, be creative. Exactly. So now we've seen on the news these cases where people live in modest. Homes on modest size lots, and mm-hmm. they go in their backyard, and on the other side of the fence, there's like two story six unit. Correct. In the little postage stamp lot, right, right. Is that a common thing throughout San Diego, it, or are those rare exceptions? Well,
1: so I think the problem is right now. As of right now, it's not too common, but it's kind of opened up the floodgates where people are so worried. Well, if these, if this keeps going on, the trend keeps going, then yes, it will be very common. Um, I mean, in my neighborhood, it's not very common in most neighborhoods, it's not yet. But why people are fighting right now is because they can see the writing on the wall, that if we don't address this now, then it will become an issue five, six, seven years from now, and the neighborhoods will be totally different.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I so. mean, well, housing is totally in a state of transition, right. wherever you look. I <laughs> right. mean, it's, it's a common t- discussion topic on my podcast. Um, wow. And there's just so it, much there. Yeah. And I,
1: I also, um, I think in terms of California, I think they do need to open up more what some people refer to as urban sprawl on the outskirts. You know, if you look at California on a map, uh, I mean, there's so much land in California that we're not utilizing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with technology now where especially people can in many cases work from home – and you know maybe a generation that wants a single family residence, and the reality is there's not a lot of places to build single family residence in San Diego. There's not a lot of vacant land to do that. No, there aren't. Right. So um, if we're gonna if we're gonna offer that to the next generation, we're gonna have to do that in areas where there is land. And so I. Now, it's not a city thing. It's more of a state thing. But we need to open up more urban sprawl uh, on the outskirts of, of the county and uh, of the state
0: as well. Yeah, this is a fascinating yeah. topic. Now, I know this isn't in, in your district, mm-hmm. but I'm interested in your take on that whole plan around the sports arena.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think that um, I think the sports arena does need to be upgraded. I would be yeah. the first to say yeah. that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, but the, I think the main thing we need to do is listen to residents, um, you know, the people there. Are going to start to see some issues with traffic. Um, so we need to make sure that um, that is something that's addressed, make sure that there's adequate parking. Um, and so I think as long as those things can be addressed, then, and, and, and it's reasonable. I, and I have to be the first to admit, I don't know 100%. I've researched a little bit. But, um, you know, as long as the parking the traffic are addressed and it's reasonable uh, for the current residents there. Then um, I think it's a good idea. I think we can uh, build appropriately and responsibly, and um, let's utilize that that area of San Diego and um, you know make sure it benefits the people though and in the, in the neighborhoods around it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm excited about the project. I mean, yeah. not because I'm a sports fan and I don't want to see upgraded, <laughs> it, but all the housing and and there's a lot of innovative ideas there as yeah. well. Well, and you you mentioned it briefly about building, going vertical mm-hmm. in certain parts of the city, particularly when you're near mass transit. So mm-hmm. let's talk about mass transit. Yeah. So is, first of all, is mass transit a city thing or a county thing?
1: Well, so. Sandag. Right. So typically it's going to be through Sandag. And so that's what people say. Well, we don't have a lot of say as a city. And you, you're, you're, you're all right. So it's not really, but we control, for example, we control man, man, the streets. So, right. So. Where I like to go with self-driving cars is because since we have we control the streets, let's create the infrastructure so that self-driving cars can be safe. Mm-hmm. Now, um, where some of the places we do, um, you know, for example, one. Um, making sure we want to increase ridership for, so there's programs to, for students to take the bus for free, college students to take the bus for free. You know, I think things like that incentivizing them at a young age, because it's, it's shown that, you know, the younger that you start taking public transit, the the more likely you are to take it as an adult. So, you know, I'm all for different programs that, and the city can do those types of things. Um, but where I think we can take advantage is because we do control the streets. Let's start the infrastructure, um, in terms of the safety of self-driving cars. And that way we can get people from their homes to a transit area bus stop, uh, because it, that, that's a big part of, uh, that's preventing them from, um, from taking public transit.
0: Well, again, I, I love self-driving car yeah. idea. I'm a, I'm a fan of that, yeah. but what kind of infrastructure are you talking about? Cause we, it's not like we need to lay down rail or something, No, but it could be cameras. It could be, um, I'll give you an
1: example. Um, coming out of my, uh neighborhood for most people there's a certain um area that um you, you can come you can make a left or a right to get on Adams Avenue which is a major which is a major street where i live the problem is it's very it's one of those streets where you have to really look out oh i know <laughs> and you mean. you're almost like getting in a car accident <laughs> yeah, making a left yeah, yeah um and and um where we would say hey that's probably not the best way to go you're probably going to have to go all the way to the um, to actually marble drive where there is a, uh, a streetlight, mm-hmm. and so we would have to say, hey, uh, create to where what's the best route? Even if it means you go in the opposite way for two streets to get to a streetlight, so that you avoid those, um, co- you know, avoid those potential hazards and make it safer because safety is going to be the biggest issue. And so I I think that's where the city could come into play is addressing those type of issues. Um, Because you're right, there isn't a lot of infrastructure per se, but just uh, coming up with ways to make it safer. um, That's one of the things we want to do.
0: Well, number one, do we already have a network of self-driving EVs? And then number two... um, well, let just start there. Like, yeah. Do we already have that in San Diego? No, not that I know of. No, no. Because I've seen the, them in San Francisco. Yes,
1: and they've even done it, I want to say, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there's always um, – my. what I think we need to do is do it in steps. So, for example, that's why I think if we just start with just in the streets, just something simple where, uh, you know, in the streets where they probably won't go more than 25 miles an hour um, and where – you know, we can just use it to encourage public transportation in the beginning, um, especially if kids from—I can tell you that people who live around San Diego State, because we already know the younger generation is going to be more um, open to using self-driving yeah, cars, of right? Course. You know, my parents would never jump into a self-driving <laughs> car, right? They, they would think it's <laughs> yeah, the no craziest way. thing. No <laughs> way. <laughs> but but you know, my son would, and his generation would, and um, so you know, we want to center around getting them to get more public transportation. Um, and so from there, if people start to feel comfortable and we can start showing that it is safe, um, then maybe we can take that and move it into freeways and everything else and um, and then go from there. But I think we need to start the process. That's the biggest
0: thing. Well, it makes sense because, you know, self-driving cars don't get drunk. Mm-hmm. They're not on the phone. That's right. They're not distracted. That's right. They're not tired. Yep. Um, but, you know, we hear stories about these self-driving cars and there was an accident here mm-hmm. and it gets on the news because it's so innovative. But I would, believe, my hunch is, is that they've got to, even in their infancy of technology, they're safer than humans driving. Right.
1: Yeah. Right now. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so, you know, uh, that, that's the thing. They always leave out, um, how many people are getting in accidents that aren't self-driving. Right. right. I mean, so, it's a ton. Right. There's, so there's so many and, uh, you know, Hey, I, I don't think it's going to hundred percent alleviate it. Um, but I think that, um. You know, there's there's no such thing as 100 percent safe, but I think that the safer we can get it, um, and the more comfortable people are with taking it, I think I think we need to start taking that leap, because there's a there's a big you know one of the things that I believe in is that let's stop living like the Flintstones and let's start living like the Jetsons, <laughs> right? So that's I like that. Yeah, so we need yeah. to start that process of hey, look, we're we're an innovative people where where people are willing to take risk. Um, that's what makes part of that's what makes our country great, of you course. know, and let's start being Americans. Let's start, let's start taking advantage of our ingenuity. And so let's start inventing our way out of our problems. And, um, you know, that, that's one of the things I want to start bringing to, to
0: city council. Yeah. But a lot of old school people don't like to change. Right. right? And, and that's, well, yeah. look, like just to finish on Sandag, you know, the previous CEO, I mean, mm-hmm. he stepped down and, mm-hmm. but he had this grand utopian plan with, yes buses and rail and subways mm-hmm. and freeways and self-driving EVs. I mean, and it was, and we were going to talk about the per mile tax as mm-hmm. part of it. Right. So what's your opinion of that vision?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, the problem with that vision is I think they were starting at a price tag of like 150 billion. Yeah, it was right? huge. It was huge. And so, you know, and it never ends at 150 billion, right? It, it maybe will be 500 billion at the best, but I think we can do it a lot more cost-efficiently. You know, and I think that's where the self-driving cars come in. And I think that the tax, I mean, we're already taxed so much. Oh, my God. You know, so to impose this uh, additional per mile tax, in my opinion, is ridiculous. if, If we're worried about climate change. If we truly are worried about climate change, which I I am, too, I believe in climate change. I believe in renewables. It's why I got into the solar industry. But let's be practical. Let's be honest. How can if we're going to reduce carbon emissions, then you know what? Then we need to promote solar. And you know who's against solar? SDG&E. So, well, so, yeah. so let's get SDG, SDG&E out of the way. Let's start our own public utility company that focuses on solar. Let's start focusing on transportation that, um, that focuses on self-driving electric cars. Let's make it so that it's easy to drive an electric car. Um, if that means we have to have charging stations on, on city property. And one of the things that I want to offer as an incentive is anywhere on the city that we have city property. And to city employees, if you own, uh, let's put solar on all of those city properties. Let's have charging stations. Let's say to the employees there as a benefit: if you have an electric car, bring your car. We're going to fill you up for free while you're working. Right on. Right. So let's start incentivizing people. Let's take, um, you know, let's take it seriously. Let's start building. Um, You know, I'm a one of the things I don't talk to well on my on my podcast. I talk a little bit about is is hemp, you know, as a building material. Yeah. And so let's start using hemp as a building material and allow also contractors. um, And let's set the stage to say, hey, if you want to use hemp as a building material here in San Diego, in the city of San Diego, um, we're going to allow you to do that. It's fire resistant. It captures four times the amount of carbon that trees do. um, And and it protects our topsoil. It doesn't take you know, it's a weed, so it doesn't uh, take pesticides. It doesn't use as much water. I mean, it can solve a lot of our problems. So if we're serious about climate change. Let's start using these ideas as opposed to taxing us more and forcing us into things that we don't want to do. Well,
0: hemp, isn't this the the, uh, the voodoo, you know? Uh, you know, people hemp. are... Our, our, you know, that's funny is our country for madness, right? (laughs) right.
1: (laughs) You know, obviously there's, you know, there's that, that people feel, but the reality is our country was founded on, uh, the farmers used hemp. I mean, it was almost mandatory in many cases where farmers had to utilize hemp, um, in order to, because it was such a viable product that they could use it for ropes. They can use it for all kinds of different things. We need to utilize it for building materials. Um, you know, it's a great, um, it also rejuvenates the topsoil, which, if you're familiar, we're losing our topsoil here in the in, in the United States, which is crucial to farming. So we need to promote hemp. Um, we can use it for uh, – you know, many – you know, hemp can be utilized for uh, – a lot of cars are built out. Um, like Mercedes, I think, uses um, for their doors because it's a very sturdy material. They use the hemp product. Um, we can use it for plastics. You know, our plastics right now are, are utilized by um, – uh, Oil-based, they're um, fossil fuel-based. Right. So um, let's get off fossil fuel-based uh, plastics. And my big thing is these are big issues that, that are going to take a long time to solve. But let's start the process. You know, right. let's start um, allowing people who do want to build with hemp. Um, and hey, if we're the, if we're in the city and we can utilize hemp to build our infrastructure, let's utilize it if it's cost effective and you know help uh, you know help help get this uh, industry started.
0: Yeah, you know. I think the reason hemp is illegal is probably because all the corporations that make plastic and, <laughs> exactly. and, and, and do all those other competitive That's right. products. That's right. But, but go back to SDG&E. And mm-hmm. you were saying SDG&E is not embracing solar. Now, mm-hmm. do you think, you know, this plan, they want to ch- make our base rate based on our income? Right. I, I see that as a backdoor way to penalize solar.
1: Yeah, yeah. So here's what's going on with, in the solar industry right now. Um, and I know this firsthand because I work in the solar industry. Uh, you have to understand that there's um, three major public utility companies here in California. You have SDG&E, you have Edison, and you have PG&E. And I want to say they do roughly about 80% of all the energy here in California. I could be wrong, but, it sounds that's, about right. that's, but it's about mm-hmm. pretty much. And then you have these smaller uh, uh, power companies, LADWP, SMUD, Riverside, Pasadena, um, you know, and they'll do the other 20%. And so – but what happens is the major three are governed by the California Public Utility Commission. Those people are appointed by the governor of California. And so you would assume that if you have a California governor, a Democrat California governor mm-hmm. who's appointing these people, um, that they would be friendly to renewables or a force these companies to be friendly to renewable, right? It's a that, reasonable it's assumption. A, right, it's a reasonable <laughs> assumption, right? Um, but you have to remember that many of these uh, PG&E, and e they're contributing to, these, um, to their campaigns. Right. So they are beholden, not to the people of this state, but they're beholden to their donors. And so SD, all these companies understand that solar is a threat to their monopoly, that's that's the main thing.
0: Oh, big time. So yes.
1: so if you can create your own energy source without the utility company, well, why is that good for them? Well, it's not really. Right. Right. So so what they're trying to do is slow down the growth of solar. And what they're doing right now, so for example, when you went solar, let's just say ten years ago, you would well, you would have been on a rate plan that they would refer to as net metering or NEM one point And in that rate plan, they would have they would have paid you per kilowatt. Uh, whatever they were charging. Um, so if you sent a kilowatt back to the utility grid, they would give you um, a credit for that amount at whatever they they charged people. So if it was $0.30, cents, they were charging people per kilowatt, that's what you got as a credit. Then you went into NEM 2.0. And in NEM 2.0, that's where they, they went to um, uh, this different pricing where they charged uh, uh, time of use, where they would pay you, uh, charge you less during the day and more, during peak hours, which is about 4 to 9. And they know that solar is producing a lot during the middle of the day. And so they would charge you less, and that would mean that less per kilowatt. So if they were only charging, let's say, $0.25 during the day, they would only give you a $0.25 credit. And then when you use that, when you would pull a kilowatt in the evening, because that's when the sun's down, they would charge you 40 now, what they're doing is it's even a worse deal with NEM 3.0. They're saying we're only going to give you about nine to ten cents a kilowatt that you're sending back to them. Yeah. So, um, so, what it does, why it's killing the solar industry is that it's not making sense to go solar unless you really have a battery backup. And if you have a battery backup, what you're now doing is you're adding almost $15,000, $16,000 to a project so that lower end consumer. Uh, who's maybe only spending 125, 150, 75 bucks a month? It doesn't make sense for them. They're not going to save any money by going right. solar. So right. you're wiping away that whole um, group of people. And then you know, not only that, if you're spending 250 dollars, you're not seeing as big of a savings as you did before. So it's really deterring people from going solar. I know some people have seen their business drop up to like 75, 80 percent. So uh, ever ever since NEM 3.0 took a hold in April, and so and that's handed down by the California Public Utility Commission. So uh, by having our own public, by having our own San Diego um, uh, Power Company, we then control how we can uh, help solar customers. So by you know that that's why I want to bring this in house, and then we can encourage solar, we can encourage storage, and let's make it so that homeowners um, can take advantage of producing their own energy.
0: So, yeah, because usually when we're upset with San Diego Gas and Electric, it's not like we can go from Target to Walmart. Right. There's no there's no competitor. <laughs> right. it, so do you see this city-run utility being a competitor or a replacement for SDG&E? It would be a replacement. So, so that means everybody in San Diego would be on this system. That's correct. So just we're trading one monopoly for another. Well, y- yes, but it's going to be owned by the people.
1: Hmm. So it's going to be a public utility company that is owned by the people. It's not for profit. So there is no profit motive involved. And so, and, and so that, that's the main, that's the main objective with the opportunity in essence to where we're going to encourage, uh, self-production. So by going solar, um, you know, we're, we're going to encourage solar as opposed to discourage solar. And then also, um, one of the things that's great about, uh, why I'm so pro-solar, uh, isn't just because of the environmental part, I mean, which I believe is a big benefit, but also the the fact that you can be self-sufficient Yes, um, and not just with your uh, energy for your home, but as more and more people are buying electric cars, you then can eliminate the gas station. And now you're not beholden to, because when you go to Costco or you go to Chevron or Arco to fill up you don't get to negotiate how much you're paying per gallon, <laughs> no, right? right? So you're you're beholden to whatever they decide to charge you. You know, if it's five bucks this day, six days the next, it doesn't matter. You, you still got to fill up. Whereas when you start to uh, consolidate everything and you start to take ownership of your energy source, you then control the price and we can eliminate uh, these uh, these special interests.
0: That makes sense. I mean, <laughs> does it make sense. It does. You know, and, you know, just... To explain my situation, we have yes. solar and mm-hmm. we have two electric vehicles. Yep. And I feel like I'm like winning the game yeah. here. I've yeah. been outsmarted some of these yeah. people. We don't pay for gas. Our electric bill with SDN many months is just a zero. Yeah. Um, so, I again, I love the innovation mm-hmm. because you know, the Republicans and Democrats, they come at it with the same stale talking points. And you have this n- new approach. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, and it exactly. seems to me like putting solar on city... Buildings is mm-hmm. like the biggest no brainer. Yep, absolutely. And LED lighting and yep. on the street lights and yep. that sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. I mean, how much of is San Diego doing that already?
1: Well, you know, the the, the biggest thing that deters, um, well, uh, let me let me take a step back. One of the biggest benefits of going solar is the federal tax credit, right? So right now it's a thirty percent tax credit, and that is gonna, that's applied to somebody who is either a business or an individual on their home. You know, you don't get that tax credit if you're a a not-for-profit or you know a municipality. So Mm -hmm. that sometimes defers people. Um, Now you do notice pretty much every school. Not, I mean, there's a lot of schools that now that have solar. They take advantage um, even without the tax credit makes sense. But you know, let's take advantage of. Let's make sure every humble square inch where we can put solar on city property, all of our parks, um, all of our schools, all of our, you know, buildings, let's take advantage and make sure. I mean, there is a lot of solar in those areas, but let's continue to grow that. Uh, let's maximize it. And, uh, one of the things that we don't have is the charging stations there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and so what I would love to say is, Hey, if you're a teacher and you, your school district already has solar, let's put some charging stations in there and say to the teachers and employees, Hey, if you get an electric car, you're gonna gas up for free here. If we're gonna put uh solar at a at a police station, hey, and you 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 know roll up to go to work and you got an electric car, guess what? We're gonna allow you to um you know, gas up for free. So uh, so it's not just a an incentive um for city employees, but we're also helping protecting the
0: environment and we're we're saving them money. That well, this seems to be a common theme, mm-hmm. incentives yep. you know, to kind of adjust behavior. But isn't mm-hmm. that social engineering?
1: No, I mean, everything what we 're doing is helping the individual, and what we 're saying is you can live your life however you want you know mm-hmm. if, if here 's what I tell people if you don 't want to go solar you don 't have to if you don 't want to buy an electric car you don 't have to but here 's the reality: you are always going to be beholden to chevron your Ar- Arco uh, <laughs> yeah. whoever the power company is. Yeah. Um, And if that's your choice, by all means, go that route. But guess what? There's an alternative to that. Um, Has to do with solar, has to do with electric cars. And if you're somebody who wants to do that and be self-sufficient and not be beholden to major corporations, then we as a government should encourage that. We should encourage our citizens to be self-sufficient. And so and that's why I think it's important.
0: Yeah, I agree no. with you, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, that was one of my approaches to doing the solar and EV mm-hmm. as well, uh, as well as the self-sufficiency. It wasn't like I was a, like a prepper, you know, I was mm-hmm. like waiting for Armageddon right. and Mad Max or something, but, but you, it's kind of, it feels good to know that you're sort of more in control Yeah, and, and, and that you're in a way outsmarting the system. Yep. So yeah, I mean, I think leaders can help at least educate people mm-hmm. that there are these alternatives. Yeah. I want to switch to their topic, but is there anything else about energy that you want to share? Um, no, I think I've kind of hit it.
1: Uh, I mean, there is a, an there's already um, a movement. It's called the um, power um, that's already and in, in already started to get rid of SD Genie in the city of San Diego. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a movement that that's already started. I would get behind that and see how we can work with that. But uh there's a lot of people already talking about it and you know I think I think we really need to start the the process.
0: Yeah, I think wasn't like Del Mar or Sauna Beach was t- discussing this as well, weren't they? I, I I don't know, but I think a lot of municipalities are,
1: are starting to talk about yeah, it, just exactly. simply because of how SDG&E is really taking advantage of us right now.
0: Well, yeah, and it's it's a government sanctioned monopoly mm-hmm. and we don't have any options and yeah. yeah, so yeah, good on you for providing that. Thanks. Let's switch a little bit. I, I've been mm-hmm. following the news and apparently there's going to be a ballot proposition coming up about a sales tax increase in San Diego. Right. Well, explain that to me.
1: Yeah. So um, I want to say so that's um, Camp and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I want to say Campanillo and uh, the mayor are behind that. Um, but I could be wrong on the city council member, but definitely the mayor is behind it. And um, uh, you know, my biggest thing right now is we're the highest taxed you know state in the country. I mean, we're oh, already by far. We're already taxed as much as possible. Our issue is not, is not getting tax revenue. It's how we spend it. And as, a, as an elected official, we are a fiduciary to uh, the taxpayers. So we need to make sure before we ask for any more money that we are uh, properly using the money that we have right now. And it is, and it is it's to my opinion that we're not. So let's start looking at what we do have, making it better, making it more efficient before we start going back to the taxpayer and asking for more. So I'm not a fan of any new taxes. If we were the lowest taxed state in the country, then maybe I could say, hey, we're the lowest taxed state. Let's raise taxes because we need to. But that's not the case. We're the highest um, tax state. And so we need to uh, help. And. and you know, really, we need to help the middle class in in California. It's not the rich leaving. It's not the poor leaving. It's the middle class. And that's because, you know, they're being taxed more than anybody. And we need to help them the most. We want to keep those people here. And, you know, taxes is one way of keeping those people here. making sure we're, we're giving them, um, you know, proper services.
0: So what's the proposal? I mean, because I think they got the signatures to get on the ballot. Is it like a half a percent or something like well,
1: yeah, that? Yeah, I want to uh, say it's... Um, It's half a penny. Yeah. Um, And so that, you know, to everything, I don't know if there's any exemptions to it, but, um, um, you know, if that goes through, I know to some people, half a penny, you know, might say, oh, it's not a lot. But, you know, we need to send a message that we don't need more taxes. Let's do what we need with what we got. You know, because mm-hmm. if it's if it's a half a penny now, it's going to be a full penny. It, it only gets worse. You know, once you start adding taxes, super hard to start bringing them back down.
0: Oh, they rarely ever R- come rarely, down. Rarely, right. Yeah, but there's always so, some crisis that they mm-hmm. have to go up. Yeah, and you're right, because, well, California is insane tax, mm-hmm. but there's like the the state level mm-hmm. and then a county level. And then some cities have an add-on of the city. Correct. There's some communities in California have sales tax over 10%. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I... I you know, in, in San Diego, we
1: just don't need that right now. You know, we um, we need to you know spend within our needs and, and our you know means and be more efficient. And um, to add any additional sales tax to me is not the right idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Now let's just switch gears to something else. Describe for me a little bit about the competitive nature of your race. Mm-hmm. You know, who's running? Sure. What makes you special and different from them? Yeah.
1: So right now the uh, incumbent is a gentleman named Shawnee La Rivera. Hmm. Um, and then there's, a, there's three of us running. So there's me, Sean, uh, and then Terry Hoskins. Um, Terry, I, you know, I, I'll be the first to tell you. I like Terry. Um, you know, he's a good guy, uh, has a great backstory, um, the retired police officer. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, his, if I was going to say what are his strong points— um, when it comes to public safety and law enforcement I, I think he 's got a uh, a good background when it mm-hmm. comes to those sorts of things. I think where my background comes into play and what separates me and they 're both Democrats, so you know it 's an independent versus two two Democrats i I would say what separates me from them is number one, having the courage to run as an independent and not be beholden to an ideology is important, so I can mm-hmm. represent the people as opposed to a political party that 's number one number two um, you know, I feel like I come with, with a a business minded background. You know, a lot of these politicians, Sean's one of them who basically, uh, you know, you get these politicians who kind of they graduate, you know, maybe they go to law school, which Sean did. And, you know, maybe they work on a campaign or, you know, they do something. And, they work for staff and they've almost never really had a real job. You know what I mean? So, you know, they, they don't know what it is it's to a invest. career politician. That's right. They, yeah. they, they don't know what it is to, you know, hire people. They don't know what it is to invest their own money into things, create ideas out of nothing. That, that has been my life. You know, that's what I do. Um, and so when it comes to being able to think outside the box and look for solutions, um, and, and to, tackle big problems like energy, like housing, you know, being in the solar industry and understanding how energy works and being somebody that can actually speak to it when it comes to replacing SDG&E with their own public utility company. I think I'm the best at the job Mm -hmm. when it comes to housing and development. You know, I've been a licensed real estate broker for 15 years. Um, You know, I I sit on the San Diego Association of Realtors Housing Opportunity Committee Board. Um, That gives me more that gives me a lot of insight in terms of housing. And at the end of the day, you know, specifically Sean, our incumbent, he's not listening to a lot of the planning groups. Uh, I'm there at the planning group meetings and I'm making it known that I'm inviting these people personally to my house, you know, and 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 so I'm saying to them, hey, look, um, I'm not going to invite you to my house and look you in the eye and then backstab you and say, uh, um, I'm going to go do something else. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to represent you. And um, I think that's important. Um, mm-hmm. So I think my my background, my business background, um, and uh, and also nobody's talking about, you know, that we haven't got into, but election reform.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. I
1: mean, they have zero interest in talking oh, about uh, ranked choice voting <laughs> yeah. or, or democracy dollars, um, which I think are very crucial because it eliminates – uh, a lot of the special interests that are out there, and it just gives more people more choice, more democracy, and none of them are talking about that right now. And, and to be honest with you, no, almost no politicians are. So um, I think those are the issues and that that are important to, to San Diego and, and that I'm very versed in that I have experience working with.
0: Well, I think those ideas, democracy dollars and definitely ranked choice voting, mm-hmm. is a threat mm-hmm. to the institutional or establishment of the two main parties yep. and how the system's been sort of rigged for them. Yeah. Well, let's let's go a little bit deeper on on ranked choice voting, because there's some people that are confused by it. Yeah. So explain it in more detail.
1: Yeah. So um, so basically the easiest way to kind of explain is let's just say there's five candidates running. Um, and what ends up happening is you will rank who you want for city council. So this would be just for city um, uh, city offices. So city council, city attorney, um, you know, the mayor's office. Um, so, for example, let's just say there's five candidates in my race. You'll, you'll rank who you want as number one, as your first top choice, second, third, so on and so on. So um, – and, and why that's – and what ends up happening is if somebody ends up getting all uh, – more than 50 percent of the first uh, votes, that person wins automatically. So if you get more than 50 of percent of everybody's first vote, you win. That, that's pretty rare unless that person's very popular, but um, but let's just say that happens. or But let's just say that person gets 40% and then it breaks down 30, so on and so on. Then what happens is the person who comes up last, their vote, uh, their number twos then come into play. Mm. So then their number two votes become number ones. And then we look to where those number ones go. And, and then it recalculates. And then um, if nobody gets 50%, Then the next person who's last, their number twos become number ones. And we see who has until somebody has 50 percent of the number ones. That's who then wins. Why that is so important here. There's and I kind of touched on this before is because as right now, the way it works is when you're out campaigning, if you're a Republican, for example, most Republican candidates, specifically in the primary, are only focused On Republican voters in the primary. They're not even talking to Democrats. And same thing, the Democrats, they're not talking to Republicans. They're just talking to Democrats. In ranked choice voting, it forces elected officials to go out and speak to everybody because it means that if I can't get your number two, maybe I can get your number, if I can't get your number one, I can get your number two vote. And that could really help me later on. So it makes people more willing to be more uh, willing to work with other people uh, listen, willing to listen, going into different neighborhoods. Um, and so from, you're going to get elect- elected officials who really represent their community more. Um, and then, um, and then what it does for the voter, it allows you to vote for somebody who you really want. A perfect example would be, um, in the, in the, um, federal election with the president when it came to Biden and Trump, a lot of people only voted for Biden cause they didn't like Trump. And a lot of people voted for Trump because they didn't like Biden. Exactly. Right. So that and and what ranked choice voting would allow you to do is it would allow you to vote for whoever you really wanted as number one. So an example would be Andrew Yang. So Andrew Yang, very popular, very pro uh, ranked choice voting. If you wanted to vote him number one, but maybe you wanted to be more strategic uh, uh, with your second vote and maybe you said, "Okay, well, number one is my my uh, um, Andrew Yang. Number two is my Biden. And then I'm going to put. Trump is my lowest, my number five, because maybe you just don't like Trump. Um, So you could do that. And you can really vote with your heart and not have a spoiler effect, because that's what a lot of people were worried about, is if I don't vote for Biden, Trump's going to get elected and vice versa. People said, if I don't vote for Trump, uh, Biden's going to get elected. And so you get the lesser of two evils. And we see what that gives us. It gives us candidates that aren't very good. They go to the extremes in many cases. They're not very centered. Um, and, and in my opinion, are not the best candidates out there. So ranked choice vote voting gives people the benefit of voting for who they want for or who they really want, um, without having a spoiler effect.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, cause how often do we say, oh, I, I'd vote for that guy, but he has no chance to win. Right. So why waste my vote? Mm-hmm. Now you can vote for that guy in the number one. Absolutely. And then you can maybe take your traditional candidate as your safety net and put them number two. Yep. Um, I think this is a, a great innovation. There's an mm. algorithm. They don't even have yeah. to do the runoff elections. You no. can just do it all at once, right?
1: So one of the advantages of it too is one of the ways you can do it is right now we have a primary and then we have a general election. Well, there's a cost to having a primary and a general. So, in essence, by going ranked choice voting by having in essence one election, you say, you can potentially save quite a bit of money as well if you do it that way. So, um, and, and there's a there's a lot of play. There's a lot of countries that do rank choice voting. Um, in, in countries in Europe, um, in parts of Australia, New Zealand does it. There are cities that do it: New York, Oakland, Seattle, uh, Alaska as a state does it. Um, so this isn't this isn't something new. It's already been done in other parts. I so. think Minneapolis does and it. I as think well. probably Minneapolis. Yeah, too, yeah.
0: I, th- I love this idea. Yeah. I mean, because I generally am am so fed up with Trump or Biden, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. and I, I give me something innovative, exactly. creative. That's yeah. why I love your candidacy as yeah. an independent. And, and, and I will still vote for those independent candidates, you know, even if I know that maybe they don't have a good chance to win, but mm-hmm. with ranked choice, they'd have a better chance. But yeah. in your race, what's interesting mm-hmm. is there is no Republican running. Right. There's two Democrats and an independent. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go back to one of your competitors, which was, mm-hmm. was, was Sean, Hello mm-hmm. Rivera, e- right? L. Rivera, yeah. Rivera. So he's the council president. Yep. So does he kind of carry some weight well, yes, and so in City Council, he carries weight. And um,
1: and keep, keep in mind, the <laughs> the the being called Council President uh, means that you were voted in by the other Council members. And he basically was fortunate enough to have a clique of basically four other people because he he got in by a vote of five to four. So there were four other people um, actually brought Monica Montgomery back for her last vote to get him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and but if you heard how the other four spoke about him, um, I mean, you could hear almost the venom in their voice because um, you know, the council president does have a lot of power because they can in essence set the agenda mm-hmm. um and, and and they can also put people in certain committees. And he wasn't very um if you didn't vote his way then he would restrict the committees you went into. Um, you know, he didn't make whatever you wanted a priority on the agenda. So the, so you do have power as the president. Um, now you're not voted into the council president as a, um, uh, by the people, mm-hmm. um, even though they, they kind of like to, um, say that, or, or kind of, um, portray that almost. But, uh, um, but yeah, so th- it does yield a lot of power, um, in the council, but, uh, um, but that's really about it, you know.
0: Well, I remember he was in the news, maybe it was about a year ago or so, mm-hmm. and talking about all this homelessness crisis. And he was saying, housing is a right. What's your take on yeah,
1: that? So, and, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, kind of how this, everybody talks about rights. They they love to throw whatever they want, they'll throw a right, right, neck, right. <laughs> so it's uh, energy, right. You know, it, it could be anything, you know, they'll just say it's a human right. And, you know, like I said, we've talked before where rights really shouldn't cost people money. They're really not talking about right. They're saying having somebody else pay this for me. Yeah. Right. So when they're talking about um, because you do have a right to live wherever you want right now, if you know, it's it's an affordability, it's affordability. That's the issue. It's not necessarily your right. You have the right to live wherever you want. It's just a matter. Can you afford to live there? That's really what they're talking about. They just want to throw this word right and add it on, um, you know, cause maybe it, it, you know, people feel like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I should have a writer. This is a, uh, something that I'm entitled to, but but you have the, the right to live wherever you want. Nobody's preventing that from you. If you have the money, you can do it. It's an affordability issue. And so I would like us to just talk candidly about it and say, hey, if housing is an affordability issue and we need to make it more affordable, then let's talk about it um, in that respect And let's say, how do we attack the affordability issue? How do we help um, build our economy here in San Diego so people have higher paying jobs? Let's just not throw this, oh, it's a right, which really means somebody else paying for your home. um, Because if I have to pay for my own self, why should other people be able to get something for free? And I'm all for people helping certain people in certain situations. But at the end of the day, we all already have a right to live uh, and we have that right to housing. It's just getting them, getting housing to an affordable price.
0: Well, you're right. Yeah. And I am a big supporter of what you said because one of the things I talk about in my podcast is about our inalienable rights mm-hmm. of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, um, and which our nation was founded upon. But I think when you declare housing a right, like you say, someone else has to then provide it mm-hmm. or fund it, right. and then as a result, you end up violating someone else's right to their <laughs> own life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness right. to right. give a right to someone else. Right. So it's yeah, it's tricky tricky. because when you when you when you talk about right, like when you think about the
1: freedom of speech, your right to freedom of speech, that doesn't cost anybody anything. That doesn't cost you anything. doesn't cost me anything. Mm -hmm. Your right to assemble your right to religion. um, You know, that doesn't take away from anybody else. Doesn't cost anybody else. Those are true rights that we have. Yes. You know, right to housing. um, This this term that they just like to throw out, um, you know, I, I don't agree with it. Um, we already do have a right to live wherever we want. It's an affordability issue that we need to work on.
0: Yes, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, God, we've been at this about an hour and a half. There's one topic I want to touch yeah. on that we haven't touched on: okay. crime. Mm-hmm. You know, I know overall crime has generally been going down, but is that true throughout San Diego? So here's, you know, here's the the
1: major crime has has kind of gone down, meaning you know murders, um, you know rapes, those types of things, and. Um, I think what people worry the most about and what they're seeing a lot of is, is a lot of the petty crime, you know, for example, you know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in a decent neighborhood, but you know, the, my neighbor to the left, they got their car stolen. Um, and this is within the last 12 months, they got their car stolen neighbor on the right, got their catalytic converter, you know, Ooh. um, taken, you know, stolen. Really? Yep. Um, and, um, and then also, uh, about a month ago, the neighbor had uh, their car um, popped open, taking stuff out, it took about $200 worth of gift cards out of the uh, central console, came into my car on the street, mm. uh, my wife's car. We didn't have anything in there, but it was um, looked through. So there's a lot of petty crime going on. And, you know, you'll see that also. It's, it's Hey, look, when when we would walk into a Rite Aid or a Target five, 10 years ago, were they locking all this stuff up? No. There's a reason for that now, you know, and that's because there's a lot more petty crime. And what people aren't realizing is this petty crime affects us in many different ways. The reason your car insurance is going up, which pretty much is happening to everybody, is not because there's more accidents. It's because there's more people breaking into cars and those people aren't being held accountable. You know, we're enabling them to say, hey, if you steal somebody's car or, you know, break into it and uh, and do a snatch and grab, you're not going to do much time, if any. And so that's why we're starting to see our our insurance rates go up. Um, And so it's affecting the middle class. I mean, a lot of people may not worry about getting um, killed or raped, but they are worried about walking down the street. They are worried about getting assaulted or robbed. And a lot of people aren't reporting crimes and a lot of people aren't um, and it's not getting reported, um, especially the petty stuff is because, you know, cops, we, we don't have enough police officers, number one. Um, so if it's not a, if it's non-emergency and no, no cops going to come by, it's like, why even report it? You know, like, I'll give you an example. My car was rummaged through and we didn't even, you know, we, my neighbor called the cops and they did a report, but we didn't, you know, so, um, nothing was taken, but you know, somebody was able to pop our door and get in. So, wow. So I you know that the you know, I, there's always these different crime numbers that go out. Um, I always like to get a pulse of how people are, are talking and feeling. And, you know, the reality is people are getting their cars stolen. They're they're getting broken into and um, people just don't feel safe um, walking down the street in certain areas of San Diego. And that shouldn't be the case. Yeah, yeah, that, that's
0: yeah. We we, we you, go, you ever go on nextdoor.com yeah. and there people got their ring doorbell cameras, and they're finding people in their front yeah. yard at three thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that that seems to be as the petty crime. There's mm-hmm. been a couple of theft rings, mm-hmm. but they get blown out of proportion. Because overall, I mean, thirty years ago, crime was a big problem. Not as much now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are parts of you know, if you looked at let's just say Logan Heights, you know, uh, in San Diego. 20, 25 years ago, um, much, da- you know, it's much safer now in certain mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Yes. So, um, you know, which is a good thing, but we still have, um, a lot of petty crime in certain parts of, of the city, San Diego. Um, I do think we need to, you know, one of the problems with law enforcement too, is they don't feel supported. Um, and it's not just, um, paying them more, you know, that, that could be part of it. It's, it's not how much they're being paid, but it's the support that they need. You know, it's filling that, Hey, are they? If they make a bad call, are they going to uh, be scrutinized? You know, and, and I'm all for holding law enforcement accountable. You know, when it comes to law enforcement, it's a very it's a balancing act. You you have to support them, but you also have to hold them accountable. But you can't just do one without the other. You know, if you're simply not supporting them, but only holding them accountable every time they something goes wrong, that's not the answer. And always supporting them. We're, we're, even when they do something wrong, that's not the answer. It's got to be the balancing act of um, support and holding them accountable at the same time. And, um, you know, I, I do think, unfortunately, we lost a lot of police officers with the vaccine mandate, which, you know, I don't think is something that we need to go back to. I think if we do have another, um, you know, crisis with COVID or something similar, I think we need to take more of a balanced approach and um you know not have all these mandates you know but really incentivize people to make the right decision let people choose educate um and um you know but not i'm I'm just not a big believer in forcing people to do certain things right so, okay
0: yeah. well but you know you've been talking you said that there's a shortage of police officers mm-hmm. and i think is that true with fire as well you know what,
1: I don't know about, I don't think with fire, but I, I'd have to double check because I know that it's very hard to get into the fire department. Um, I don't know if there's, uh,
0: a sh- I don't believe there is a shortage in the fire department, but I, I would have to double check on that. Well, you know, like here in Poway, our mayor was saying that they face competitive challenges where other cities are paying more mm-hmm. and you know, you know, out competing, you Mm -hmm. know. So do you find that's true? Like police officers in San Diego will go to Chula Vista because they pay more?
1: Yeah, well, actually, um, not necessarily. So there's a lot of police officers who are, um, you know, taking a lateral transfer, transfer for the same amount of pay. And it's because they feel that they're just not getting supported by the city council and by the mayor. You know, um, and that and that's with talking with police officers that I know that support is a big issue. It's not just pay and benefits. I mean, that is part of it. But um, for the most part, they're funded and paid pretty well. It's just they're they they feel this if they make one wrong step or say one wrong thing that the the world's going to come crashing down on them. (laughs) And, you know, I I think that we do need to understand that, you know, it's a super tough job. We have to support them as much as possible. If there are police officers out there doing what they're not supposed to be doing, or uh, then they do need to be held accountable. But, you know, overwhelming majority are just out there trying to keep us safe. They're seeing the worst of the worst. We have to support them um, and understand that, that, that we need them, we want them, and, um, you know, w- whatever they need, we need to help, help get, that, get whatever they need.
0: Right on. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of, Heavy topics here. Yeah, homelessness, <laughs> utilities, <laughs> energy, housing, yeah. crime, s- taxes, solar. What, what what else did we cover? Mass transit. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about you. What what do you like to do when you're not doing the political uh, thing? Um, well, you know, I have uh, I have two boys.
1: Um, you know, my oldest is 24. Um, you know, he lives up in the Bay Area. He's a treasury analyst. He went to Berkeley. Got his master's at Purdue, and He's doing really well. I, I love to try to go up there and see him as much as possible and spend time. And um, you know, he'll come down as well. And then my youngest son, he's 15. He's a he's a stud of an athlete, and um, cool. Love to go see you know see him play and um, seeing the things that he's doing and um, you know spending but you know spending time with my wife, um, our two little dogs, you know just spend, we do a lot of family stuff. You mm-hmm. know, we're fortunate. My Wife's family lives here in San Diego. Mine is in L.A. My, my parents live in Pasadena. So we try to get up there as much as possible. Uh, but we do just tons of family stuff. Um, you know, I'm part of a boxing gym. I go to City Boxing in, in downtown San Diego. So nice. I like to go, you know, yeah. get a couple rounds in or, or do some jiu-jitsu rolls. And so that's kind of my um, where I go to work out. You know, I used to play rugby. Uh, Stop that. Haven't done that since COVID. But maybe one day I'll get back into it if I have time. Um, But really just hanging out with friends. I, you know, I love to fish, um, love to try to, you know, travel, love going south of the border when I have time to do that. But, you know, as of right now, work in the campaign uh, and family take up 95 percent of my time. Um, You know, I wish I could get back into watching sports. Big San Diego State fan. Yeah. Um, They had a great year last year. Yes, yes. So, um, (laughs) you know, hopefully we have another great run and, you know, hopefully try to go check out some games. And actually this year I did see some really good concerts, though. Well, um, who Would you go see uh, Depeche Mode? Oh, Depeche Mode was amazing.
0: Oh, everything counts in large amounts. <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> yeah. So Depeche Mode, The
1: Cure. Oh yeah. I saw more concerts this year than any time. The Cure, um, Duran Duran. Oh, nice. Yes. And um, this... who else? Tears for Fears. Uh,
0: this uh, we I think yeah, we're yeah. We the same age. I mean, <laughs> yeah. This is all in that yeah. early to mid eighties yeah, right so, there.
1: Um. And who else? I think that was pretty much it. But I'd seen some um, some really good uh, concerts and. Um, but right now, it's all campaign right now.
0: Have you been to that new concert venue, The Shell, that's right there on the bay? No, uh, so I did walk. Uh, I haven't been to a concert
1: there yet. But me and my wife were walking around there uh, while a concert was going. And you kind of see from the outside. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, but I have not seen a concert, but it, but it's
0: great. Well, I, I heard that the acoustics are supposed to be outstanding.
1: It seems that way, yes. We didn't, um, we didn't stay and listen to the concert, but we just saw... Um, I mean, it just looked amazing. It looked great. I mean, yeah. people can you could literally, you know, stand outside of it and seem like you can almost watch a concert for free. Well,
0: it's <laughs> no. like the people that go on the boats over by Humph. What's the name of that place? Oh, Humphreys. Is by it the Humphreys? Bae? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, is, Depeche Mode is it just two guys? Like uh, on, on keyboards or is it? It's mainly there's their main singer. There's the guy on the
1: keyboard, and then I think there is like another guy. Um, I don't know if he's part of Depeche Mode or not, um, but it, it's more than two the two guys are like the main part of the group. Um, and then there's maybe, you know, some other musician. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too sure. Th- th- those guys are fantastic. Oh, they're great in concert. And, it yeah. Was and, and I, and I know they came and it seemed like everyone I knew was at the concert, <laughs> but me, so I, I should have gone as well. So yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's, it's good stuff. I'm mm-hmm. glad you'd like to, you know, music and that yeah. sort of thing. Yep. What else have we not covered that you want to share with people that, um, uh, about you or your campaign?
1: You know, I I think that probably the biggest thing that um, that I want to just make sure people understand is that uh, right now, our current administration is not listening to uh, a lot of the planning groups and a lot of the associations um, that um, that represent the people of District 9. Um, You know, they're feeling like they're not being heard. My job is to make sure that your voice is being heard. You know, my as an elected official, my job is to represent you Um, And that's what I plan to do. Um, I I have a a plan that's going to help not just the future of San Diego, but help us now. And I think we can build better. I think we can do better. Um, Let's be, you know, let's make San Diego uh, an example for California. Let's make uh, San Diego an example for the rest of the country. Uh, We're in a perfect position. We're so close to the border. We have so many opportunities here. We have so much military here. Um, let's take advantage of that. Let's innovate. Let's, um, you know, utilize all the resources we have and let's make San Diego be the best that we could possibly be. So that's what I want to do. That's awesome. Thank so you. when's the election? March 5th. So March 5th. But, but um, um, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Ballots are going out in about three weeks. Mm. So you're going to get the ballots in about three weeks for those people in all of San Diego. And so you could start voting in about three weeks. But the election will be March 5th. So, um, you know, read, uh, you know, read all the issues, read all the candidates. I think you'll be impressed with uh, with my platform. And I'm looking forward to getting elected and representing the people of District 9. So if you get more than 50 percent on March 5th, then you win outright. No. So actually, no matter the, the, the primary. So in a special election, that would be true. But in um, in this type of primary, it doesn't matter. It's just the top two. So there's three of us running. Top two move into the general election, no matter what, and then that's where the you know the top vote gets.
0: And then wins. that'll be in November. In November. Okay, so yeah. this hopefully is the round one of two. That's correct. Yeah, yes, yes, this yes. is exciting. So yes. I mean, good for you. Thank you, Fernando. Thanks for coming yeah, by, man, John.
1: I, I, it's always a pleasure, and thank you so much and you know, uh after I win maybe I'll come back again and we'll talk well, again. I don't
0: know. You might be no, you no, know no, you're gonna be <laughs>
1: you know, I, I just wanna say thank you, John, for giving me always a platform, even back when I ran for Congress, you know, um, to to help somebody like myself, um what I, you know, the little guy, you know, the um to to give us a platform to speak about um our ideas. I mean, this is so important. That's why I podcast I love podcasting because of this. Um do you mind if I share my podcast real oh, quick? Of course. Yeah. So I have a podcast called the independent. Uh, please check it out. Um, check it on YouTube, Facebook, and, um, you know, you'll see some of the people I've interviewed as well. And, um, so you know, go to my website, uh, go Garcia, um, um, diego Sorry. And, um, you know, reach, you know, hit me up there and
0: be more than, a- more than happy to
1: answer any questions you might have.
0: Yeah, it's because you're going to listen.
1: You're right. Right? right.
0: I mean, we heard that here in Poway that yeah. our, our, you know, some people complain that our city council didn't listen or they, they kind of just dismissed it. You know, mm-hmm. they heard it, but they didn't really hear Correct. it. Correct. So uh, good on you. Yeah, I think this is going to be exciting. Yeah. Uh, best of luck. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, friends. And we'll uh, catch you later here. Yeah. Adios. I have a good one. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor subscribe and then share it with a friend, or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information. Please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.